welcome to the Scam Economy with your host, Matt Bender. NFTs are getting physical, real estate is getting digital, and it's all damn despicable. All right, welcome to Scam Economy Episode 5. Wow, Episode 5 already. It just hit me. That went quick, like a rug pull almost. Anyway, on this episode of Scam Economy, we look into quite a few things, actually. This is, this is a show that really uh, takes a look at you know the scam economy, also the metaverse, and also the gig economy. And it weaves a thread between all of them to bring you, I guess, one really big scam economy. And if you haven't caught an episode of this show previously or have been lucky enough to just not come across the term NFT yet, NFTs basically stand for non-fungible tokens. And they are a string of characters minted to a blockchain that basically connect to a JPEG or video or some other piece of media, digital file, uh, that basically uh, people purchase in order to show ownership over whatever it is that they bought. Uh, Again, they're not actually buying the JPEG. They're not actually buying the movie file. What they're buying is that string of characters, basically a digital receipt that's on the blockchain that they can show off and say that, hey, look, I purchased this. I own it. The idea for this episode came across when I saw an article uh, recently about a real-world location where you can get a physical NFT. It is a NFT vending machine. Yes, I I can't believe it quite either. Uh, And we're going to talk to someone who not only visited it, not only purchased an NFT via this vending machine, but also went through uh, quite a few technical difficulties just to basically complete their NFT purchase from a vending machine. And uh, there's a real kicker at the end of that NFT vending machine. I can't believe I'm saying those words still. NFT vending machine. I feel like we've crossed over into a whole new, a whole new uh, world, quite frankly. Uh, perhaps, perhaps we are now living in the metaverse, folks. The metaverse, this is like uh, in the Matrix. I don't want to use red pill, blue pill uh, jargon here, but I, we, we've, we've taken some sort of uh, pill that could possibly be up to one of 10,000 different colors. I promise you'll get that when you listen to the uh, interview. But before we get there, let me just tell you how you can support this show. Because, folks, this show is growing. We are well over 300 patrons on our Patreon page. We could always use more so we can continue to grow this show, do deeper dives, put out more content. That would be swell and great. Uh, Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Uh, to support not only this show, but quite frankly, everything I do, including my other show, Doomed with Matt Binder. Uh, I'll tell you more about a recent episode on that program right after the interview. 
But for everything Scam Economy, go to scameconomy.com. It'll give you uh, links to the Apple Podcast page, the Google Podcast page, Spotify, wherever you want to listen to the show. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review on Spotify if you can. That helps this show get attention by moving up in the podcast rankings. And I can tell you by experience on how many people have already done that for this show that it absolutely works in getting eyeballs on this show. Uh, And now, uh, without any further ado, I I almost feel like I should intro this show by uh, saying, uh, waiter, there's an NFT in my soup. Uh, You know, if NFTs are going to get physical and oh, I like that too. NFTs are getting physical. Phys- okay, let's uh, let's 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 get to the show. And joining me now to discuss his experience with a physical NFT, Wilfred Chan, editor of New Public and a freelance writer for The Nation, The Guardian, and a slew of other places. Uh, Wilfred, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, when I saw your uh, piece in the Guardian about this NFT vending machine. I I I, I did a double take. Um, I mean, clearly, uh, it is uh, one way, I guess, for one specific Web three company to try to market and sell the idea of NFTs to the normies. Um, mm-hmm. Why don't you, before we discuss exactly what we think of it, why don't you actually walk us through this experience? I want to. I want to feel through your words what it was like to purchase yeah. an NFT out of a vending machine. Let me live vicariously through you. Mm, yeah, it's really exciting. Basically, uh, the Guardian called me up and they were like, hey, uh, we heard about this NFT vending machine. Would you like to take some of our money and go and buy an NFT at this vending machine? And of course, I said yes. I mean, awesome opportunity, right? So I live in the Lower East Side. I walked over to the FIDI, um, and there it was, uh, just random little storefront. Not many people were really paying much attention to it, but I walked in, and it's just a vending machine that uh, kind of looks like um, any old vending machine, except it's got fancy neon lights that kind of make you feel like you're in the future. And uh, then there's um, rows of these little uh, paper boxes uh, that kind of look like cigarette packs. And they have two products. You can buy a color or you can buy a party pigeon. And the color is $5.99 US dollars. And the party pigeon is $4.20.69. Um, so I uh, decided uh, to go for the color, ha, um, a bit ha, ha, more ha. financially <laughs> responsible. <laughs> I'm laughing at the four twenty sixty nine uh, pricing point. Very, th- yes. those those memesters in the NFT world, so funny. They know how to, yeah. They know how to get to do it. So um, I bought the color, and um, you know, I, I I swiped my credit card. It beeped, and then I was kind of waiting for the little coil to turn. I was really excited, and then it got stuck. Uh, it just kind of didn't drop down. And uh, so I banged on the glass and I was trying to shake it loose and it just didn't drop down. And I was starting to feel kind of embarrassed. I was like, am I the first person in the world to actually lose money in person while buying an NFT? And um, I ended up buying a second one to push the first one off. 
And, um, you know, so I got my first one. I can actually show it to you here. Ooh. Do I have it? All right. This is the this is the uh, hard-earned NFT that I bought. Um, it really does look like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very weird and, choice. Um, I mean, are they do, do they not want children to buy these? Like, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't advise children to buy them. I feel like they're a little dangerous. Um, but you know, what you get is this little thing, and um, it's a QR code, and so you you scan the code, and then it tells you you have to go onto their app. Neon is the name of this platform. And then you enter in this little 12-digit code. Um, and then that's what mints your NFT. And um, so the, the whole idea of the color is that you get one of 10,000 colors um, according to like a hex code. Like if you've ever done HTML, a six-digit code that kind of determines a color. Um, so, you know, the really kind of absurd thing was that um, I got five digits instead of six. And so it actually didn't give me a color. Um, I got a blank square instead of like a colorful one. Um, so not only did the NFT vending machine not work when I was trying to buy it, the actual NFT that I got also didn't work. Um, so it was just, um, you know, not super, uh, confident inspiring, but I did interview the founder and I told him what happened and he said he would give me a refund if I, uh, sent him the time that I bought the NFT, um, to an email address of his and the last four digits of my credit card number. <laughs> I actually ha haven't done that yet, but, um, I know that if I did, he would give me my 599 back. First of all, I just there's a number of things I have to go back and, and talk about. But first, I want to mention the idea that um, it is very funny. He needs all that information to just basically send you six bucks. Right. <laughs> just give. I thought this was the future. Wouldn't. Yeah. I thought we were, yeah. Yeah. But I I also love that um, you know uh, he's able to give you a refund because you paid through your credit card and not via crypto because then. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. If, if it was crypto, then I would have lost that uh, five ninety nine. Right. Or if you got the the pigeon party pack, I think you said it was. God, that would have been terrible. Yeah. What what, what is that? What, what 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 is? First of all, what's the company that's running this vending machine? Neon. So um, yeah, I I don't know that they made the NFTs. I think they're partnering with different artists or you know. Um, but uh, the party pigeons, as far as I know. Um, there's 10,000 pigeons. They all have different costumes. And it's kind of like the, you know, the bored ape that I'm sure people have heard of. Um, there's a random number generator when you mint your NFT. And that random number can, um, well, you know, kind of determine what your pigeon looks like. And then um, the idea is that when you have this NFT, you can show it off. That's what the founder told me. You know, you're not buying it as an investment. You're just buying it because you can flaunt it to your digital friends who, um, you know, go to your account and see that you have uh this color or this pigeon and you know ostensibly be really jealous of you right and in your case you don't even get to show off your fancy color yeah it's really disappointing <laughs> I, I will say that the most interesting thing about all this is actually the physical product that you were showing me that uh lo and behold does not come with any other nft whatsoever because this is like this company's specific marketing gimmick Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, the physical item is what's the interesting thing. Hmm.
Hmm. Makes me wonder if this whole NFT thing will work out. Uh, but let, let's go back a little bit because I, I do enjoy the idea that um, the vending machine is futuristic by just adding a few fancy lights. And I do, I do enjoy the idea that um, you basically had the same experience as if you were buying a 99 cent bag of chips where it got stuck. Yeah, basically. All right. And you can't, you can't even eat the NFT, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think I would want to. Now, now, now let's talk a little bit about that because you do go into the company a little bit. Um, Neon is the, is this their like you said this these weren't their NFTs, which I guess makes sense. They're teaming up with artists, so is their thing just to like put together these like are they a marketing firm for NFT projects or are they getting into the vending machine business specifically? What is what is their deal? I'm not totally sure. I mean, this is crypto, so they could they could be pivoting all the time. But from what I gather, they are a startup. They um, started a couple months ago. They're a marketplace, sort of similar to um, you know OpenSea is the really well known one um, where people trade, buy, and sell these NFTs. Um, so they they're trying to be like a more user friendly version. Think of maybe the the Coinbase of uh, NFTs, if you will. Um, and, and they want to be able to offer their NFTs purely, uh, you know, using credit cards and um, just fiat currency. So um, the uh, vending machines is just a way for them to drum up interests. And, you know, it's it's a marketing gimmick um, from my perspective. Um, but they're planning to open um, more vending machines in Chicago and um, Miami and Vegas and all different places. And so the idea is that, People will see these vending machines, get interested, and then get into NFTs. Right. All right. And to me, honestly, the most interesting thing about what they're doing is the removal of – I mean, obviously, you get a token, which is your, the code that when you scan the QR code to mint on the blockchain to get your, your color. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing to me, more so than even the vending machine, is that credit card uh, feature <laughs> – amazing to say that, using your credit card to feature here – where, uh, yeah. you know, get people in via how they're used to using um, transactions, buying products. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with chargebacks and people initiating refunds. Because as we know, once something is on the blockchain, that's it. And they can't really take NFTs away from people if someone, you know, buys a $420.69 party pigeon and then she decides to charge back with their credit card company they will most um, excuse me they will almost assuredly win with their credit card company and uh then you basically have an nft project where a bunch of people have these uh, nfts and the creator uh is basically empty-handed in fact in the negative because of all the chargeback fees that might be an interesting art project to to kind of um you know counter the way that nfts have been scamming so many people in the crypto world right even you you got you got scammed, I got scammed. From, it's amazing <laughs> I got rug pulled. it's amazing I, I can't get over that like the idea that even at a, even the most basic part of the technology um the vending machine and then another very basic part of the technology the printer all failed in your <laughs> nft experience yeah, I don't know what that says about this space. <laughs> now, let, let's actually move in because you, you wrote a uh, short uh, piece for uh, The New Public. Uh, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, New Public? You're an editor at that. Uh, it, it, uh, tell us a little bit about it. 
Yeah, it's a nonprofit. Um, basically, it's kind of like a uh, magazine uh, and um, incubator and research projects that's trying to make digital spaces less toxic in you know whatever that means to you. Um, and so, yeah, it's pretty cool. I edit the magazine and um, we're, uh, you know, we did an issue about decentralization and our next issue is about the idea of trust on the Internet. Mm, that's a, that's that's perfect for this. And in, in, in this uh, in this uh, piece you wrote, you basically looked at these metaverse networks and, you know, metaverse is basically uh, to me, it's a. It's it's a whole other uh, world that very much overlaps with crypto um, because, you know, people think of uh, basically people think of metaverse as Facebook's own or I hope they do. I mean, let's let's make that clear. Uh, the metaverse is basically Facebook's rebranding of like VR and online spaces like Facebook thinks they created Second Life or something like that. That's that's how I view the metaverse. <laughs> right, right. And uh, also, I guess you can also say that metaverse also, instead of people just like buying things a la their credit card, uh, it brings in the world of crypto and the blockchain. Uh, and you in your, your piece here looked at uh, how these different metaverse networks like the Centraland, uh, Crypto Voxels, and Sandbox are basically – worlds with like maps and areas and and digital land where people mm -hmm. can uh purchase real estate. Uh tell us a little bit about, you know, your what your your views on that. Yeah, um so basically um you know, these networks uh sell parcels of land within a finite map um that they've deemed to be the uh you know, their version of the metaverse. And these different projects all have different aesthetics. So, you know, some look more like Minecraft, some some more look more like Second Life. You know, they have um, different levels of polish and some run better than others. But the overall idea is that you're buying a um, sort of a claim to um, a, um, you know, to have a place in this future uh, world that's going to be great, you know, according to them. It's going to be the next thing. Everything is going to uh, run through this metaverse. And so now is your chance to get a piece of the uh, Manhattan of the future, right? Um, that's actually how some of them market themselves. It's like, imagine if you were staring at Manhattan in, in like the year 1700 and you could just like kind of choose whatever piece of land you wanted. Um, that's what they're uh, saying this is. Um, and you know, so I, um, you know, I didn't actually have enough money to try buying the land for this one um, because they charge a lot of money for these parcels. Um, some of the smallest parcels cost, I mean, yeah, hundreds, if not thousands of uh, U.S. dollars um, equivalent. And um, so as I was looking at, you know, these projects, I felt this sense of frustration because it was really kind of the same hellishness that I experience as someone who lives in the actual Manhattan, right, which is just um, not enough space, um, not enough new housing. And as a result, everyone fighting over, you know, these smaller and smaller pieces of land. You know, I, I live in a really small apartment. I pay way too much for it. Um, and it drives me nuts every day. So why would we want to replicate this in the digital world when we actually have the freedom to not have it this way? You know, and that's, I think, one of my main critiques of 
um, this space is just that a lot of the value, quote unquote, is based on artificial scarcity. Um, you know, uh, deliberately limiting the uh, the wealth that there is to go around so that all of it gets um, bid up um, to more and more insane levels. Right, right. It's 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 amazing to see like in both your in both your NFT vending machine piece and then this one, just like you know, in both instances you have um you know a, a swap of the worlds right in the nft one it's taking nfts from their digital space into the real world and here in the metaverse you have you know taking real life in terms of real world real estate you know places to live and, and have land and space mm-hmm. and you bring that online and in both cases neither seem to want to make things any better and constantly what you hear from these VCs and even just crypto advocates who have skin in the game because they're so invested and they're already making money from this, they constantly try to sell this whole world, whether it be crypto, you know, a, a token or a coin or whatever, or an NFT project or some new Web3 uh, startup. The selling point is always like this is going to be the great equalizer. They always bring up the old mm. financial system, how right. they, they, the people who are unbanked or the people who were left out or the people who didn't have the chance to uh, get in when things were more affordable. And then they go ahead and basically replicate it all. There is right. nothing. I, I've yet to see anything in this space actually make Actually, take I should say something from that we currently have, and make it better, make it different. Yes, but in not one scenario have I seen them actually make it better. In fact, in in a few cases, uh, more so than not, actually, I would say their version is even worse than the real world version. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean. I think that the idea of democratizing everything um, is pretty suspect. Um, I think more and more you can see that what's really happening is that you have people who, you know, may have been left out, um, you know, uh, of uh, some kind of wealth accumulation that happened during the Web2 era. Um, But um, they're trying to just basically anoint themselves the ruling class of um, some future that is yet to come, right? Um, and in actually in many cases, the people who are becoming the ruling class of Web3 are actually, you know, the ruling class of Web2. <laughs> um, you know, you have big VCs, as you mentioned, and, you know, like people like, uh, uh, you know, Jack Dorsey doesn't consider himself part of Web3, but, you know, he's part of the crypto space. Like these, these big, you know, tech oligarchs um just uh trying to basically phase shifts into um you know this new kind of uh um this new era of finance and wealth right right it's it's amazing to me how like you know the 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 funny thing is when you were when you were talking about when you were trying to like explain when you first started talking about metaverse and like give it like an analogy or or something to compare it to the two comparisons you made are literal um, games or virtual worlds or pieces of software or whatever you want to consider Second Life and Minecraft that have been around for like a decade or more. Like these things have yeah, existed. Yeah. P- 
people have enjoyed them. Sure, in some things, like in Second Life, there's been stories for yeah, I remember like in the, the late 2000s, maybe even earlier than that, stories of like, oh, a Second Life mansion selling for real world money. So you already had things right. like that going on without even the need for the blockchain or, or crypto uh, currency. And, you know, these mm -hmm. things are, have been here. They've been, you know, whether they're good or bad or neutral or whatever you think of them, um, they've been here. Like, and, and crypto yeah. is basically like, um, you know, encroaching on this territory and pretending mm -hmm. they've created something new to try to, in my estimation, really take their, their scammy products and uh, pilfer those who they fool into believing that they're going to get a piece of the pie when they're going to be the, you know, the suckers holding the bag at the end of this. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be holding the bag at the end. And, um, you know, that's just part of the way it works, right? Is, um, uh, you know, think about a lot of these um, um, mining schedules that are in these coins. Um, it's really easy to mine a coin at the beginning, and it just becomes harder and harder near the end. So the first mover always has a massive advantage. And so I don't think a lot of these systems are really designed to be equitable. Um, it's just the inequality is baked in from the start. Right. And you you told me that, um, you know, I, I, I mean, you, you, you didn't even need to tell me because I read in your extensive body of work, you, you have a lot of uh, pieces, a lot of work on uh, basically the gig economy. Which, you know, mm -hmm. I call the, the crypto, Web3, NFT, all that. I call that whole world, and the metaverse gets rolled in there too, uh, the scam economy. But this is what you're, the world yeah. you were in was, is the gig economy, people know it as. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, it is in many ways a scam economy in its own right. Um, and, and I just think it's interesting. Why don't you first tell us a little bit about your, your background working as a, a gig economy worker? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been a freelance journalist for um, quite a few years now. And one of the things that I decided to start doing on the side, um, partly out of curiosity, partly because I wanted to get paid to exercise, um, but also partly because I, I did want some extra money was um, to uh, deliver food um, on my bike uh, in Manhattan. You know, I, I live in lower Manhattan, so there's a lot of restaurants around and I love biking. I've always loved riding my bike. And so for the last couple of years on and off, just, you know, in my free time, I've done um, quite a few deliveries for uh, Uber Eats, DoorDash, uh, Grubhub, Caviar, kind of these big, uh, you know, um, companies that I'm sure people are familiar with. And it's given me a really interesting look into um, what people go through day to day. Uh, you know, on, on the front lines of the gig economy and even during the pandemic. Um, and I've been writing about it a bit um, in my uh, freelance work. Right. And, and to me, the interesting thing is, once again, you have, you know, we're always sold. And, you know, in many ways, like the, the early Internet and even the promise of Web2, which is, uh, you know, considered to be the social web, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, you know, in some ways, like obviously, um, not everything that's come out of uh, Web two has been great. You know, obviously, Facebook and Twitter and all these other companies that have become these giant conglomerates, unstoppable corporations, um, and their various harms in different areas of the uh, world in terms of you know uh, misinformation, et cetera. Uh, you know, uh, we had the uh, Facebook whistleblower come out and explain to us how. Uh, harmful uh, Facebook even knew Instagram was for the uh, young people using it. 
all these things horrible. Yes, plenty of negatives. Um, but the original promise of connecting people and being able to share knowledge, whether or not that's been bastardized in some ways, that original premise is still there. Um, you right. know, I, I reached out to you via Twitter. I probably, you know, in, in, you know, and or an email, which would be considered, I guess, Web one. You know, in a in a world without that stuff, we might have never connected. Um, mm -hmm. But the it seems like once we started getting into the tech world that came after that, and we could even talk, and this is even before like you know uh, crypto and Web three hit its stride. Or, if you could even call it that. Uh, yeah. But but the gig economy sort of came up after uh, that as sort of like, hey, this is what, you know, technology could do to help people further. Oh, you know, easily just pick up work here and there. You know, you know, you could just right. get a job and set your own hours thanks to this app. And yeah. it seems like that set off that that um, that bad uh future that we're seeing with tech where basically mm. it seems like all these tech companies from that point on including that now including the web three and everything it's all mm. about just how to extract more money from uh customers uh users yeah. workers uh and it's it's just sort of uh i can't even say shocking because it's just i guess it's just all headed that way but it seems right. like they're not even there is no like thing to even extract like you know well at least we have this from that era i don't even feel mm -hmm. like that's the case yeah yeah i mean i think there's two themes that um to me are um you know kind of resonant between the gig economy and web3 and uh one of them is just the uh breakdown of these traditional notions of like just human social responsibility to each other right like in a traditional employment um, relationship, you know, which has many problems, but um, you have labor rights, which people have fought for over many generations. Your boss has to follow certain laws um, in paying you on time and, you know, uh, paying you for overtime and, for, um, you know, being there for you if you get hurt on the job. With the gig economy, there's no sense, there's no sense of care. There's no duty of care, right? The uh, gig worker is on their own, basically. If something you know bad happens to me while I'm out there um, riding my bike and I get hit by a car, like Uber's not going to um, pay my hospital bills, right? Um, because I'm I'm an independent contractor. They say uh, it doesn't matter if I'm working 40, 60 hours a week. I'm still independent. And I think that you know there's so that's kind of a, I see that as a kind of antisocial. Um, uh, you know, relationship. And I think in Web3, you have something similar where, you know, people talk a lot about trustlessness, right? That blockchain is a trustless technology. And I, you know, they talk about it like it's a good thing, but I actually think it's kind of scary because, um, you know, it's this vision of the future where nobody needs to trust each other. Everyone just needs to kind of be, uh, you know, the competition and, and trying to cheat each other is like, okay, as long as it's you know, um, following the, the the rules that are encoded into the blockchain. Um, and it's just kind of everyone for themselves. And then so, you know, it's this kind of like Mad Max, like libertarian style, um, you know, um, of capitalistic freedom. That's actually very scary because it means that each individual person uh, totally absorbs, you know, bears all the risk 
for anything going wrong. There's no, um, you know, social compact anymore. It's just if something bad happens, if, if you know, if the uh, vending machine doesn't work, uh, if you get scammed uh, from a crypto project, you get rug pulled, you lose all your money, um, you get hit by a car when you're delivering food, that's on you, right? And I think that that's sort of this common um, feeling that I'm seeing as I'm moving through both of these different spaces. Right. Right. And it's almost, it's that, you know, that, that's a great, uh, really wrap up of everything we just talked about, but, um, just to go a little bit further into this, actually, you know, it's sort of interesting to me too, how, how little, uh, these new tech, uh, war, like whether it's, the, we're talking the gig economy or the scam economy, um, it's amazing to me how little the companies actually, like you just said, it's every man for himself, but also how little the companies who ostensibly are raking in all this money, how little they're actually involved. Like, again, when we're talking Web 1 or Web 2, everything is happening on those platforms, and we know who to point the finger at. We know who's responsible. Obviously, users bear, have some share of responsibility for the content they post or what they send to other people, but there's mm -hmm. a platform that's supposed to also bear some sort of social or societal responsibility and yeah. even when they don't uh, society knows that this is who we can blame for a, a portion of what happened um mm -hmm. there's some accountability there with the gig economy we've seen companies like uber or uh uh seamless or uh whatever the delivery companies are nowadays i know there's a i feel like there's new ones popping up all the time it's so bizarre every day yeah yeah <laughs> same it's it's like it's like a new token on the blockchain right, right. every every day there's yeah. like 20 new shit coins um but you know there, there's there's no uh i mean obviously they've given you an app to use so you can say mm -hmm. oh i was delivering or driving for this company but at the end of the day, uh, you know, anything that sort of happens, they sort of just sort of back off and wipe their hands clean and say, oh, you were just an independent contractor. You're not an employee of the company. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, you know, uh, crypto, I mean, there is there is no accountability. The idea is that you are, you know, it's your wallet. You uh, you are the uh, fully responsible person, even if you get scammed. Uh, by somebody at no fault of your own. Uh, sorry, you lose your keys, uh, your security keys, your keep, uh, you know, sorry that you've lost all your money. There's no mm -hmm. safeguards whatsoever for the regular person. And it's sort of, you know, it's sort of really interesting to me how, you know, this promise of tech, uh, you know, it was always a bullshit promise, but at least they could have kept the idea going that, you know, we were, uh, you know, uh, obviously computers and the internet, huge world changing pieces of technology. Everything after that seemed to get a little bit less life changing, but they still can argue that, you know, um, you know, we're, we're doing something to advance uh, society, make life better. And then we just hit this point where it's like, have we have we have you guys just decided that it's not even worth pretending anymore? Everything yeah. is just all about lining your pockets as much as possible mm -hmm. yeah i mean it feels like a natural extension of capitalism to me it, you know if you just kind of look at the way things have been headed it actually makes complete sense that this is where we are right right and you know at the end of the day who knows uh 
maybe you'll have to one day pick up some uh, NFTs from a vending machine for someone making an order through like Instacart or something, right? Oh like, my that's god, <laughs> that's dark. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I need my NFT delivery right away. Oh my god, no. <laughs> and then and then add on top of that, the NFT is actually for a plot of land in the metaverse. Boom. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you know what are we gonna do? This is amazing. It's it's just so amazing. I I think the one thing though is that so far, um, you know, unlike the gig economy where you know like I think Uber has successfully sold its you know its convenience to uh, the the user, even though it's to the detriment of the worker. I don't think Web three has successfully done that. I mean, obviously there are people who have money invested and they pump it because it benefits them. But I do think we're seeing a pushback against this one uh, in a way that we never saw for any of the technology uh, worlds that came before it. Mm, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all turns out. I'm, you know, I've been waiting for it to uh, go away for a while now, but it hasn't gone away yet. So, right, uh, Wilfred yeah. Chen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, is there anything coming up uh, that you have work uh, you're working on, or anything you want to promote? Feel free to use this time, this space to to let people know where they could find you and links or whatever. Um, if anyone wants to buy my NFT that I got from the vending machine, I I, I would really appreciate that because uh, I don't really want to email this founder to get my money back. Um, so. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll drop the the link somewhere, and I don't even know how to how to use it. It's on the Solana blockchain. Like that's that's a new thing, um, but I'm sure someone out there will know. Right. Oh, so you're 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 using. It's a first. I mean, the show hasn't been going for so long. This is a new podcast, new video show, but um, we uh, we have our first uh, person hawking NFTs. <laughs> <on the show. laughs> Oh man, you should you should put the physical package on eBay. That's we- true. Yeah. The old the old yeah. web meets the shitty web. <laughs> no, it's it's actually funny. I someone did DM me on Twitter wanting to buy my the NFT after reading the Guardian article. So in a weird way, um, yeah, it, the joke's kind of on me. You know, like I I'm just ending up promoting this space. Damn, yo, that might be a, that might be a new hustle for someone. Literally yeah. <laughs> go down to the go down to the, the NFT vending machine, buy up all the NFTs. Of course, the five ninety nine ones. I'm not buying the, the mm-hmm. pigeon ones, uh, mm-hmm. and just then sell them online for like triple the amount. <laughs> mm, okay, all right. Thinking like a scammer. I like it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Wilfred. Uh, have a, a great night and. Uh, you know, this was uh, this was uh, both lots of fun and extremely disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. It was Take fun. Take care. NFTs get physical, physical. What 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 am I doing? Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We we sort of brought in some other worlds that were not straight up Web three. NFTs, cryptocurrency, but you know what? I feel like when you got a show named Scam Economy, you got to bring in all the scam economies, right? We got to really, we should, we should really welcome all the scam economies because uh, we're coming for you too, I guess, right? Uh, but uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Once again, scameconomy.com. 
for everything scam economy and patreon.com slash mattbinder to support this show. Again, financial support via becoming a patron is extremely helpful into the growth of this show. If you cannot afford to do so, please, there's many other ways you can support this show. Uh, take care of yourself and your family first. You can support this show in many other ways, like leaving uh, reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, telling your friends about it, tweeting about it, sharing this show on Facebook, uh, make TikTok videos, Instagram photos, whatever you want. Uh, let people know about this show. That's the best way you can help this show if you can't become a patron. Uh, and like I said before the interview, um, you might have noticed that last week there was not a Scam Economy episode, and that was because you know I did my episode on my other uh, podcast, uh, Doomed with Matt Binder, uh, and then Russia invaded Ukraine, and I got in touch with a Russian socialist writer, also a critic of Putin, who joined me, it was I think 5 or 6 a.m. his time, joined me on Thursday night, Eastern time, my time, and really helped break down uh, what, not just, you know, really not just the United States, what the, the entire West uh, seems to be missing on Putin's thinking and what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, why it's happening, what's going on. Um, also, he broke down basically how the American right-wing the American conservative movement has influenced uh, Russia and uh, Putin and their rhetoric, which was honestly a, a very educational experience for me in the sheer capacity of what, what he explained. Um, and then also he broke down how even uh, some uh, U.S. leftists were getting the moment wrong. Uh, it was a fascinating interview, uh, already one of the most downloaded episodes of my other show, Doomed with Matt Binder, and I've been doing that show for ooh, over four years now. Um, so definitely go check that out at doomedcast.com. And again, uh, the video version of both my shows, Scam Economy and Doomed with Matt Binder, as well as shortened uh, clips from each episode, uh, can be found at youtube.com slash Matt Binder. Uh, also, I will be doing the post show right now if you're watching live, or uh, you can download the post show or watch it online if you're a patron. Uh, we will be doing that post show, and in the post show, I will read your super chat comments if you drop a super chat on uh, YouTube. Uh, I will uh, answer any questions you guys have. Uh, I will, of course, and this seems to be the quickly becoming the most popular feature of the uh, post show feature uh, of the post show. And that is I take live calls. If you have Skype, open up your Skype app uh, and search doomed live. Yes, it was originally set up for my other show because I take calls on that one, too. Uh, maybe I'll set up a scam economy only one, but for now, we'll just use that one. There's no difference really on your end or mine except for the name. Just search Doomed Live and we will talk on the phone if you'd like to call in. There's no screening of calls. I literally uh, roll the dice, uh, basically close my eyes, eyes and pick 
uh, a shit coin and <laughs> not calling you guys shit coins. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, maybe some calls could end up that way. Uh, but I basically roll the dice, answer a phone call. Doesn't matter if you're uh, a crypto skeptic, uh, anti-crypto, uh, critic of this whole world, uh, think it's a scam economy as well. It doesn't matter if you're a pro-crypto advocate, a Bitcoin maxi. Uh, I've taken calls from anyone, everybody. Uh, we could uh, talk in agreement. We could have debates. Uh, this is uh, The post show really is... I guess the crypto paradise where all bets are off. Uh, there are no rules. Uh, sort of, we're, we're sort of like in a temporary uh, libertarian ideological uh, paradise, quite honestly, during the <laughs> post show. And you can be a part of it for that. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes I go long. Sometimes maybe like 45 minutes, an hour. Sometimes I look at the clock and I'm like, whoa, I just went two hours, three hours. What am I doing here? We'll see how it goes this time. Uh, be sure to join me on the live stream post show right after this video premiere. Uh, link will be in the description. Or again, if you're listening to the podcast, you can check it out on the Patreon page. Uh, we will uh, be doing that now. And for everybody else, See you next time in the scam economy. Yeah.